What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. Sitting here in the parking lot of Atticus's Jiu-Jitsu class for Thursday night. And uh, he's kind of switched classes here. And I thought this would be a good time to do a little bit of podcast. And i got to tell you guys, like, I am struggling like crazy with allergies. Like, this uh, devil's dust, the yellow pollen's all over the place. And, oh, it's killing me. It's killing me. Anyway, we'll get through it. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about something interesting that happened uh, over the past few days. Um, so, as you all know, yeah, I've brought this up numbers a number of times now. Like, I, w- I went through my vintage collection of baseball cards, and I got rid of a number of them, like probably half or more uh, in January and February. So, it's it's been a fun learning experience because... Uh, I'm used to really kind of selling a lot more low-end stuff and doing things in bulk that way. So this is kind of a, kind of an interesting thing. Like I might say, uh, you know, hey, somebody wants to buy this collect- this collection of 100,000 cards for 500 bucks or whatever, you know. And uh, it takes a lot of work, and there's not really a whole lot of um, risk or anything to doing that. But uh, it's a whole other animal when it's like one card for 500 bucks, you know, like. Uh, Hey, you know, you put it on eBay or Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and a lot of times you just ship it, and you know that's it. There's no like work, there's no heavy lifting, and any of that. So in that respect, it's kind of fun. But I like getting my hands dirty in like the bigger collections and stuff. So I might actively look for more of those now. But anyway, so what I was left with, with uh, after selling everything, which I basically sold everything I wanted to, was a number of cards I liked. Um, the Allen and Ginter baseball card set, the uh, T206 Hans Wagner, Cracker Jack Ty Cobb, um, and uh, did I say a T206 Wagner? I didn't mean that. <laughs> I uh, man Walter Johnson, if I said Wagner, I don't got a T206 Wagner. I would, uh, if I did, I'd be w- retired or something probably, or would have to be working a heck of a lot more than I do now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so you know, the E102 Wagner, the uh, what was it? The E90-2 Wagner, um, the Shields Joe Jackson W514, 33 Gowdy, Ruth, the 52 Tops Mantle, all these other cards, like just super, super key cards, like cards I really like. But um, I knew I was probably going to whittle it down a little more just because not all of them spoke to me. Um, and so I knew that I really liked my Billy Sunday Old Judge card. I really like the Cracker Jack Ty Cobb. Really like the E90-2 Honest Wagner. And, uh, you know, so, like, and there was, uh, I feel like there was another one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, maybe, yeah, it's not coming to my mind right now. But, um, anyways, long day at work. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was something that uh, I found on Facebook. There's a guy that was buying large collections. He said, you know what? I'm going to pitch this to him. I want to pitch everything except for uh, those cards. Actually, let me, this guy kind of drive me nuts. Let me look it up which other card it was here. Hang on. Okay, yeah, so um, basically just all vintage except for one. So uh, the cards I decided to pitch to this guy that was buying collections um, is the E90 2 Honest Wagner. It's the one that looks like a T206, but it's got a blue background. Um, the Billy Sunday Old Judge card. Uh, the Shoeless Joe Jackson W514 card, the one that I bought like the exact 100th anniversary to the day of the last game of the 1919 Black Sox Scandal World Series. 
the same game that uh, he hit a home run. I think it's the only home run um, that happened on that uh, in that game. Sorry, guys. Um, so, you know, yeah, that was real nice. And then also, uh, 2011 Topps Update Diamond PSA 10 Mike Trout. Uh, now, that's obviously not vintage, but I added a few cards in this vintage collection uh, to see if he was interested. Like, uh, there was an A9 Upper Deck PSA 10 Griffey, there's 93 SP Jeter PSA 8, um, and a 2017 Cody Bellinger uh, PSA 10 Rainbow. Uh, so, uh, but everything else was vintage. You know, it was like all the, all the stuff I had, except for those four cards I told you about, or five cards whatever it was. So we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I didn't really want to sell, like I wasn't a motivated seller. Like I knew that I was going to sell them one at a time at some point. Um, but I said, Hey, this is an opportunity. Let me see if we could do something. And so I reached out to him. Seems like a nice guy. And, uh, so went back and forth and, uh, come to find out we, uh, we ended up working a deal. And so he ended up buying everything except for those four or five cards <coughs> that uh, that I wanted to keep. Now, uh, was this a money maker? No, it was not a money maker in and of itself. Now, when you add in all of the cards that I've uh, sold in the past couple months, uh, then I'm going to be able to say yes. Like the this experiment of doing vintage cards was, you know, was definitely a, uh, a positive one. Like I was able to get into the black. I, I made some, some money off of it. And now with that said, I would have, uh, expected and hoped to have made a lot more money in this endeavor, given the amount of money that I actually put into it. But the way I'm thinking about it is if the money were in the bank, it wouldn't have done anything for me. <laughs> so, um, it was good. It was a good, learning experience and uh and you know nice it's always nice to get an education on something like this and be able to make money on it and so that's kind of what i've been preaching to you all out there a lot as well is like when you're looking at cards research the crap out of it first uh make sure you buy the cards right second and then you know third that way whenever it is, you are ready to sell um you know you'll have walked away with a little bit of extra cash in your pocket and some knowledge to go forward. So that's kind of what I've done. So I've, I've gone through basically phase one of, um, I guess you could call it operation vintage. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could do that. So what I did also is in doing this, I kind of flushed out my, uh, all of my, uh, obsessive tendencies of looking for this, that, and the other, Oh, I gotta get this guy, get that guy, get the other. And I feel like um, going into looking more vin looking for more vintage this time, I could be a little more objective. I could probably have a little more feeling of patience, um, and I can pull the trigger on cards that are like great deals instead of good deals. I got good deals on everything that I had, but I was really looking for exceptional eye appeal. So. Um, it was a fun exercise and uh, could I have made more money selling them one at a time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I remember this one little part in uh, you know Mr. Mint's Insider's Guide to Investing in Baseball Cards, I think is what it was called. Y'all, like I loved that book growing up. I read that thing so many times. That guy was my hero until I heard he was a knucklehead in real life uh, when I grew up, but uh, which is unfortunate. We exchanged a few emails and everything is 
kind of fun to be able to do that. But uh, you know, before he passed away, but uh, the book was fantastic. I loved it. I remember one part in the book. It said, if you have a choice between hanging on to all of your inventory and uh, squeezing out every last dime that you can have it versus making a little and wiping out everything and starting all over, always wipe out and start over. And you know, close up shop if you need to, replenish and so on and so forth. I'm not sure how well that's gonna work out for a bricks and mortar store, like with the storefront uh, for baseball cards, but uh, that's always been so appealing to me, guys, to be able to do that. That's why I sell uh, cards in lots and I uh, sacrifice profit in doing so. Um, not all of it, of course. I always make some. Um, but the reason why is because there's a number of reasons. Number one, you could all, you always have that extra knowledge now and, you've, and your wallet's filled again. You're ready to go back out uh, with, with more experience. Uh, it keeps things fresh and new and exciting, at least for me. You know, I, I don't like holding on to things all that much for a long time. I'll be honest with you, though, with the the Wagner, the Shoeless Joe, and the and the Cobb, uh, and the Billy Sunday. I, I might hang on to those guys for a while. I'm not sure, but then again, I always warn this whenever I talk to people. You just never know. Uh, tomorrow they might be gone. It just depends on what I'm feeling like uh, on any given day. So. You asked, if you would have asked me 36 hours ago uh, if I was going to be selling the other vintage cards I had, I'd say, no, no, I'm keeping those for a while. You know, but the thing is, is I look at those and I, I think because I sold my Conseco collection with all those one of ones and everything, I can look at these cards a little more objectively now and say, you know, none of them are, are irreplaceable. You know, like the Gaudi Babe Ruth, I'd love to get one of those back. 52 Tops of Mantle, I might want to get one back again. Uh, as well, I, I'm more interested in pre-war to be honest with you. But um, and all these other dip, different cards, like T206 Cobb, I like, you know, and uh, um, there, you know, there's a handful of others. But the thing is, is they're all obtainable, really, if you just have patience. They're not one of ones, you know. They're not like super duper rare, uh, which is what I was exclusively, almost exclusively chasing um, as a super collector. So you know, selling these, it's like, well, yeah, I love those, but guess what? There's always going to be a ton more out there. We can always go back and get those. So, you know, if, uh, you know, my advice to you is if you're in a situation like this um, and an opportunity presents itself to you, uh, you know, just uh, explore it. You know, it's uh, it's been my experience that uh, even selling these cards one and two at a time over the past few months, um, the reason why they sell is because I've explored different ways of doing things and listing things. So it's not just eBay. It's eBay and Facebook Marketplace and Facebook groups and Twitter and the forums. There's so many ways. Like you can actually spend a lot of time just listing. But the good news is, is each time you list, you get more eyeballs on what you're trying to sell. And that's what allows you to be able to sell these cards. I remember a lot of times like just a week or so would go by without selling anything. I'm like, oh man, are these cards just like dead? Uh, you know, I've got like five more to sell. Why aren't these moving? And then I'd bump some threads in the forums and, you know, on social media. And then all of a sudden, you know, one night, like two or three of them out of the five will sell or something. So, uh, which it wouldn't have happened had I not been proactive and actually uh, bumped it up. So, um, you know, that's, that's a very good, it's been a very good learning experience. And, 
And a lot of these things I'm talking about, I may have already known, but it's always good to have a reminder. And you know, certainly there there are definitely things I've learned in this process as well. Um, you know, for one, um, I appeal really does matter, um, and you can ask for a premium on your cards when you have great eye appeal, even though it's a low grade. Um, now, admittedly, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, there, there are a few things that were going against me here. Um, you know, I invested pretty heavily into these graded cards around the time of the grading scandal. <laughs> so I always seem to do this. Like I'm never, I never go, uh, invest anything at, at an opportune time. There's always something going on. Like, you know, same thing, like when we bought our house, like 15 years ago, uh, it was at like the height of the, of the bubble. It wasn't cause you know, we were doing that because it was at the height of the bubble. It's just, you know, well, we're a young, uh, growing family and we're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's get a house. Now's the time to buy a house. And so, uh, you know, and guess what? The price went down real low after that, um, with the next few years, but you know, now it's back up. So, uh, but that's kind of like the story of my life. I, I'll open up packs of cards and I'll never really get anything massively awesome, which, okay. It's probably a numbers game. It's probably just cause I don't open a whole lot of, uh, product. But anyways, all that to say, um, you know, just uh, the thing to really kind of inoculate yourself from that is to buy right to begin with. Um, if you're not sure about the price, then, you know, just kind of, you know, maybe back off a little bit. Um, but, you know, obviously learn to understand what a good deal is for sure. Um, you know, you want to make sure about that because you don't want to miss out on any opportunities. Um, but if you see something and the price is a little high and, you know, you're getting nostalgic over it, but you want to make money, probably not a good mix. So, uh, yeah, but anyways, going back to my original point though, um, look for opportunities and seize those opportunities, explore them, see if, uh, you know, if there's a way, if you were interested in selling out your collection, it's fun for me to do this again, by the way, because I was able to kind of whittle down the ones I really wanted and, and carve out the ones that I wanted to keep and the you know the cards I have right now are just the ones I just am super happy with and I would like to probably add a few more back I'd probably like to it's it's fun being able to look for like a 33 Gaudi Babe Ruth again or you know shoot even like I was telling you all you know the other night about the uh, uh, the uh, 91 upper deck chrome prototype it's it was fun getting that again now of course that was kind of dangerous to do I should have uh never sold that to begin with if uh i knew that was play on you know wanting to get it back so because if the guy that had it didn't want to sell or sold it to another super collector i would have never have been able to have gotten it back so i was very very lucky and thankful to be able to get that back but uh for 33 gaudy babe ruth guess what there's tons of them out there um so it's going to be easy to get one back and I'm, i'll be able to uh um look more with a uh, an educated eye and seeing what I want to do with it so um, but anyways so yeah that's kind of fun so uh, yeah here I am again with uh, you know basically almost starting over once again I always I do this all the time guys like I always seem to um, restart with uh, what I have and uh, it's fun like I said I enjoy the heck out of doing this because it keeps everything so new and so fresh. And uh, I just, I love it to death. So I've got a bunch of uh, wax boxes, by the way, also that I might end up moving. I'm just not sure yet. I've, I've had them for a while. I've had them 
for probably three years now, and they've actually done really well um, as far as uh, as far as an investment goes. So um, anyway, so that's uh, that's all I have for tonight. Um, yeah, be thinking about this though, you guys. Like, if uh, what would you do if you uh, if you sold out of your collection, even if you lost a little bit? Um, what would you turn that money into? Good thought. Good, you know, good thinking uh, uh, as far as. Uh, uh, brainstorm what kind of opportunities you might have out there. So anyways, thank you all for uh, for listening once again. I hope you all have a great night.